Hello, and thanks so much for watching another episode of Face the Facts with April Moss. So glad you're here today. Make sure you go to MyPillow.com and use promo code April. You'll receive up to 60% off and lots of great products there in that store. Remember, MyPillow.com, promo code April. They sponsor Face the Facts, and we thank them very much. Now, today we have a very special guest. Uh, this is somebody who has run for uh, a Congress congressional candidate uh, running for office from Fulton County, Georgia. She is a leader in her community, and I'm so excited uh, to be able to bring her on to our audience and introduce you to Miss Angela Stanton King. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on your show, April. It's an honor to be with like-minded people and people who aren't afraid to fight for freedom. Oh, Angela, you, you're so inspiring. I remember meeting you for the first time on the Reawaken America tour. And uh, you came up and you spoke about your foundation that you founded back in 2018. Tell us about the Angela King Foundation and how what was the vision behind it? Yeah, the American King Foundation. Oh, I'm the sorry. Vision, yeah, the vision <laughs> behind it was I had been fortunate enough to work with President Trump and his administration um, when it came to passing the First Step Act. And back in 2005, I had experienced some time in prison myself. Um, I was charged with a nonviolent crime and I gave birth to my daughter um, in chains in a prison and had her taken from me 24 hours later. Um, so 15 years later, Trump's runs for office there's this big fuss about family separation at the border. He and my godmother, Alveda, are already working on a number of initiatives. And I'm like, hey, mom, wait a minute. You know, everybody's talking about family separation at the border. What about when they took my baby? What about family mm -hmm. separation within the border? I said, mom, you know, I want to help with criminal justice reform. President Trump, you know, put out a call looking for stories. We were connected together. I shared my story. Not only did President Trump pass criminal justice reform, but he also, may, also made it illegal for them to chain women to the bed during childbirth um, because of my story. From there, we knew that there were thousands and thousands of ex-offenders or offenders that were going to be coming home that need to be rehabilitated. And my specialty over the years through my own experience and working in other organizations is that recidivism, you know, was a revolving door. And if people come out of prison and they don't have jobs and they don't have skill sets and they don't have opportunities, then they're going to go back to the way that they know how to make money. And if it's illegal, then nine times a dot of 10, they're going to end up back in prison for committing crimes of survival. So I use my relationships. I use my organization to create a partnership with Alaska Seafood through the Alaskan Department of Labor that we're willing to hire 4,000 of our offenders that have been released, give them job opportunities where they can make a year's salary in just one season. From there, we continue to fight and I'm here today, not only after helping to, to free so many people and to reverse Joe Biden's 94 crime bill, but now I'm still in the fight for freedom. Um, and we're going from city to city fighting to end medical apartheid. I'm so glad that you are talking about this because this is a topic that honestly, not enough people are talking about today. And, and you and I are both well aware of this uh, being a completely huge problem, a Marxist communist agenda that is infiltrated into our country. Tell me about, um, really about the statistics behind the black community and and why this is such an affront to civil rights. This is the civil rights problem of our day. 
Well, to be honest, you know, America really has a long history of medical apartheid when it comes to the black community. And, and the black community basically is very fearful of, of It comes being happened. If you look at what happened with some of the the southern slaves that were operated on by southern surgeons with no anesthesia, just to advance their medical practices, there were a bunch of other things that happened. They, there was a disease called tetany, where they said that black babies were born with low intelligence because of the way that their skull bones were placed inside of their heads, so they would open up the heads of black babies and try to replace their skulls. And when they died, they would blame the mother. So we have seen these practices continue. I, I looked at what was happening with COVID and how they're saying that the black computer community is, is disproportionately impacted. And a lot of things that I saw from COVID, I saw happen with AIDS. And I began to ask myself, why is it that every time something happens, the black community is always disproportionately impacted. So whether it is COVID, whether it's AIDS, whether it's heart disease, whether it's diabetes, it's all of these things that impact us and lead to an early death. So I began this journey with medical apartheid to end medical apartheid. And I wanted to go into the black communities. I wanted to meet them where they were at. And mm -hmm. another reason why I decided to do that is because I saw what was happening with censorship and I also experienced it. Anytime I questioned something about the, the effectiveness of the vaccine, I saw that my pages were taken down. I saw what they did to America's frontline doctors. I saw what they did to all of these other specialists that are coming out and saying, hey, wait a minute, this isn't the best advice. And I'm saying, you know, there has to be more the reason why they're trying to silence everyone. So if they're not allowing people to get the information from the news, if they're not allowing people to get the information from the Internet, then we have to take this information to them. We have to educate our communities so we can eradicate medical apartheid with the black community only being 28% at receiving the vaccination, then that leaves 72% of the black community to be discriminated against. For them to say, you can't come in here and buy our food. You can't come in here and dine in our restaurant. You know, you can't be entertained. You can't work in our establishment. So this is another form of segregation. You know, yes. back in the day, you would see the white water fountain, the black water fountain, and they would say, hey, you know, we're, this is because of segregation, the white race and the black race. Well, really, it, it was more than that. They didn't just look at us because we were black. They looked at us as if we were dirty because of the color of our mm -hmm. skin. So you had the clean versus the unclean. And today we have the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And somebody has to stand up and somebody has to fight back. And we have to say, hey, you know, we're just asking and we're not conspiracy theorists, but if there is a depopulation agenda, are black Americans the first to go? You know, it's really, it is the question that needs to be asked. And, uh, you know, it's circulating all across social media as well. Videos of people in New York City, which now they have the vaccine passports, um, who are who are walking down the street and, and taking video and saying, look at what's happening at these restaurants. You have the white people sitting inside eating because they're educated and vaccinated and you have the black community sitting outside of the restaurant not allowed to enter in 
uh, because they're unvaccinated. It's disgusting to me and it should be highly alarming. This should be at the top of every news headline. The fact that this is uh, continuing to, to take place um, is, is, is horrible. It's crimes against humanity. It's disgusting. It's wrong. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you're speaking to your, to, to the community about this because it's not okay. And more people need to get upset about this. More people need to get set upset, but before they can get upset, they have to be educated because they have to know what's happening. They need to know who's doing it. And then they need to know what they can do to stop it. And that's kind of what our tour and our organization is all about is in addition to the education, but providing them with the resources and equipping them with what they need and the know-how in order to stand up and fight for their rights. And the only way to go against this tyranny is to do not comply. That's right, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about some of the cities that you're planning on going to, to have your uh, speaking engagements. Is this something that you're planning on doing? Uh, how many people typically come to these events that you hold? I have been so amazed by the turnout that we've gotten from these events. We started in Atlanta, we left Atlanta, we went right to Brooklyn, New York, right in the hood. We left Brooklyn, we went to LA. Each and every all turned out the line is wrapped around the building i get so emotional because when i look at the crowd there there are a lot of young people young people of color and i see them if they don't even have a seat standing there for hours at a time with their phones out because they are dying for this information it's almost like they just need it so we're planning on going to detroit we need to go to texas we need to go to cleveland ohio we have requests to come to north carolina this tour has basically been requested in just about every inner city across this nation and our organization really needs the support in order to be able to do that. And I'm more than sure that now that I've gotten in this boat, somebody is going to throw me a paddle so we can get this thing going. And, right. and if we focus on what we agree on. We can fight all the time. We can fight about race. We can fight about politics. We can fight about money. We can fight about all of these things. But when we find what we agree on, we agree that this should be a personal choice. We agree that there should not be any mandates. We're not against vaccines, right? We're just saying that there shouldn't be a mandate. We agree that our children, right, shouldn't be hypersexualized. When we come together with the things that we agree with, then we can unite on those areas. Let's get that accomplished and then we can come back and fight later. But let's save our country and our children first. I love it. Would you like to share with us as well? And by the way, your website is right here. Head over to uh, Angela's website right now. Make a donation uh, to, to support her cause because it takes finances to be able to travel to all of these cities and be able to speak to all of these groups of people. And, you know, this is clearly a need that that has to, you know, that has to be able to be brought to the, the people um, because this is a time, a very critical time in history. People are facing losing their jobs. And as I was on your website earlier today, I really loved that you also give people legal uh, references. You, you give them help for if they need religious exemptions or medical exemptions. Um, so Angela's website is a great resource uh, for you to use depending on what you need uh, in order to keep your job, if there's mandates that are coming down. But Angela, you're also very passionate about speaking to uh, the fact that you feel like, uh, and, and I agree with you, that there's an over-sexualization um, of, of young, young people, and especially to try to, I would say, feminize men today. 
and specifically seeing it targeted against the black community. Would you please share your thoughts on that? Well, from my own personal experience, and I know a lot of people may remember me from Dr. Phil. I wasn't the person that you're looking at today. I was really, really upset when I was on that episode, but I have an adult son who has now decided to transition. And it was something for me that was very hard to deal with because being a, a single mother that fought hard to raise you know, my men to be distant men, I always looked at them like one day, okay, they're going to be the men, they're going to be the pillars, they're going to stand up, you know, to be able to take care of and provide for their families. And I just never really saw a benefit in black women, especially when we know that the fatherlessness rate in our community is extremely high. And we know that we're always talking about, you know, protect black women, protect black women, that we would all be going with this agenda that targets our children. Now, let me be clear. I'm sorry. I'm not against an adult making his decisions, but when we see liberal indoctrination coming down through our schools directly from our government, teaching our preschoolers, three, four, five, one second. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I know you can like, let me cough before I choke out here. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. When I look at... Um, the liberal indoctrination that's coming down through our government into our schools where they are having teachers teach children as young as three, four and five years old about sexual gender and sexual orientation and sexual choice. I get very, very concerned and they're doing it under the guise of equality. They're doing it under the label of LGBTQ. And I have to be clear again, because people like to say, you know, you're anti this, you're homophobic. But if we're really going to have a conversation about what LGBTQ is and what it represents, you know, when we take the letters and we don't abbreviate them and we sound them out, we know that L, you know, is for lesbian and B is for bisexual. And then we know that these are all sexual preferences. So when did we begin to tie sex with children? So just imagine, you know, a four-year-old who they're saying, hey, they can choose their own identity or they can transition or can freely say, hey, I'm gay or a four or five-year-old saying that they're bi. Like that even make sense in me we shouldn't even be looking at children and thinking about anything sexual just be kids send them to school let them learn how to write their name color inside of the lines learn how to add you know the basic things that they need to narrow the necessities that they need in order to survive and then some things need to be left up to the parents so we're seeing where parents are losing their rights parents are losing their freedoms right and they're having to go along with what society is now saying is normal and we know that it is not normal to tie children to sex and so america needs to stand up america needs to fight back and we need to do all that we can to protect the innocence of our children you're exactly right and um i i love your boldness and courageousness of this because it's a difficult topic to talk about because it's becoming so part of what is considered to be socially acceptable um that parents who aren't grounded are are, tend to fall into this um category of saying well i don't know maybe i'll just let them choose and i mean any mother who who (laughs) has had more than one child knows 
that a, a three and four year old, I mean, if they want to be a dinosaur one day, right? That doesn't make them a dinosaur. If they want to dress up like a, like a puppy dog, that doesn't make them an animal, right? These are things that, that ch children are children. And so, you know, they're exploring and, and all these things. And you're right. You're exactly right. Um, and I think too, it comes down to the content that people are allowing their children to consume that reinforces these ideas as well. We have to be wiser as parents to be be protective over what our children are watching and absorbing you know in their ears as well yes so true i couldn't agree with you more and i think that you know that's what's important to me i thank god kind of for the boldness that he's given me to say hey guys you know wake up are we really really paying attention here and when are we going to begin to stand up and fight back i mean many of us may feel like it's too late but it's never too late so I just want to encourage anybody that's watching right now, you know, if I can turn my life around and become this pillar of strength that I am today for so many people, you can too. And we all need each other. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's what, and that's the important part too, is, is that those who are, who are along our same thinking, uh, you know, we're not alone there. I, I do think that there's a majority of people in this country who absolutely understand and respect traditional values and, and see the benefit in why, um, you know, having a biblical perspective, right, for, a, you know, a dad and a mom in a home with their children is not, it should not be something that's considered, you know, outdated or, um, you know, old fashioned, right? Or, or, or a threat because, you know, yeah. when I talk and I educate, I say this all the time. I mean, and, and if we just go back to common sense and we don't have to hurt anyone's feelings, but we know that it takes a biological man and a biological woman to create a life. And right. so I'm just going to assume that because it takes a biological man and a biological woman to create that life, that that life is going to need that balance from both male and female throughout, right? It's tenure. I mean, we're, we're a part of both. So, I mean, for us to think that we can attack the origin of life and not be impacted, um, yeah. all of us need to wake up. Yeah, absolutely. Now you're not just you're not just running your own foundation and traveling across the country speaking at different events. You also host your own show. Tell us about that and how we can watch. Yes, the Ask Show and the Ask ASK. Of course, is for my initials, Angela Stanton King, and we're on VTV Network, which uh, streams on Brooklyn, Amazon every Wednesday at eight thirty. And this show is all about asking questions because they love to label you a conspiracy theorist when you ask a question. Well, guess what? Now we're just asking and we're hearing from the community. So our show is all about tackling those tough topics that people don't want to talk about and dig into the things that the news is trying to hide after being censored and losing almost 1.5 million followers i had to figure out a way that i can continue to engage with my audience and not be censored and give them the information that they need critical thinking is very important to me i went back to school and then i got my bachelor's in psychology currently studying for my master's because at some point I began to reflect over my life and I wanted to know like, gosh, how did I end up in prison? Where did I go wrong? And it was the decisions that I made, but the decisions that I made, I weren't fully informed. And, and you can't make informed decisions if you don't have all the information. You know from your own personal experience, April, they are intentionally withholding information from our communities that's gonna keep us stagnant, right? And keep us feeling as though we're 
for I Created the Ass Show, everyshow.com. We're also on YouTube, the Angela Stanton King Show. And you guys can follow us on IG at Ass Show TV. And April, I wanted to ask you if you would be a guest. Oh, I would love to. It would be the biggest honor. Oh, Angela, thank you. I'd love to be on your show. Great. That's so awesome. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about yeah. when we can get that set up. That's exactly right. I would love to do that. And I think that too, um, the other thing I want to bring up too is I was in discussions with some friends of mine who were raised in Christian households, were always considered to be more conservative in their politics. And um, they've, they've kind of gotten turned off by uh, certain leaders within the black community I, coming out and they're they're good they're conservative voices like Larry Elder and Candace Owens but they've they've been almost turned off by by them and they're actually turning back in you know and listening to more um, I would say liberal leaning um, news yep. sources um, yep. is, is this something that you're seeing as well um, or I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to be honest here, and I tell people, and this is no disrespect to, to Larry Eldor, Candace Owens, because I honestly believe I look at it like this: like every preacher has their own congregation, so we all have. Oh, I know we're so having they, a little bit of. Okay. Um, so I, I want to say this. I, I, it's kind of like, you know, every every preacher has their own congregation. So mm -hmm. every one of these personalities, they kind of have their own audience. And I'm just not sure if the audience for Larry Elder and Candace Owens is the same audience that I serve. Um, and they are oftentimes offended by some of the things that are said. Um, for instance, the situation with George Floyd, you know, a lot of us were split. You know, many of us believed it was a psyop. Others are saying, hey, regardless if the man was on drugs or not, it was wrong for him to have his knee in his neck. I'm the type of person that can say that officer was wrong and I still support the police. Some yeah. people can't say that. Um, you know, some mm -hmm. people will, will stand with one side regardless and not see any fault in the other. And I think that we have to have that balance because the people that they want to represent, they, they need to know that they're actually being a voice for them. And I think that, you know, there's some disconnect there when it comes to the messaging. And when mm -hmm. it comes to our party and what we're trying to do, I think that we kind of have to just get smart and understand that the, the message is just as important as the messenger. And when we go into certain communities, then we need to determine who do we send into those communities and who would those people better relate to. So, you know, right. there's an audience for Larry, there's an audience for Candace, there's an audience for Angela. If we tried for four years to get Candace to bring that audience in and it didn't happen, maybe that's not her audience and we just need to go with someone else. But at the same mm -hmm. time, we can move in unity, we can move in love, we don't have to hate because at the end of the day, the goal is that we need to win as many minds and souls as we possibly can on this journey. And God will weed out all of the ones that aren't right. We just have yeah. to focus on what we're doing. And it, and it took me a minute to get to that point because I used to feel like, gosh, I'm out here, I'm doing all of this work and I'm I'm in the community and they relate to me. Like I, I mm -hmm. live here with them, like they know. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I walk in somewhere, they say, oh, you you just a Candace Owens wannabe. And I'm like, dude, give me a, give me a chance. You know, you haven't even heard yeah. me. So, you know, there is more than one type of, of black conservative and we need to make sure that we're sharing that message and that we're giving everybody um, access to the same platforms to have their voices heard. 
I love that. Thank you for being really honest about that because to be honest, it's a conversation that, I mean, I just, I want to be educated on it too. Like I, I want to understand. And, um, and I think that, I think that it's really valuable what you said and, and incredibly critical because you're right. The George Floyd uh, murder death was something that I saw the biggest division within the black community out of my friends. You know, I had, I had some that were, you know, that that's kind of a dividing moment where they, they literally couldn't, they felt like they couldn't relate to the people that they used to relate to. Right. It was a very divisive time, I think. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when, it, when in the black community, you know, we are emotional. I mean, we know we watch this government play on our emotions and, and use our past against us. And in a time that's sensitive like that, it's almost kind of like, you know, horribly scar people and um it's hard for them to receive your messaging so yeah um one last question before we go and i hope i hope it's okay i didn't ask you this ahead of time but did you were you aware that just coming up very shortly the um chicago is going to be voting on whether uh they are going to to start giving out reparations were you familiar were you aware of that um, I think I heard something about that. And I'll say this, you know, I've this conversation has come up all the time. And I don't think that reparations is the word that we need to use. I think we need to use economic empowerment for disenfranchised African-American communities. And I'm not against it. And the reason why I'm not against it is because I completely understand the wealth gap. I know that nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And I called all of my Republican friends last week when Joe Biden said that he was going to give $450,000 per illegal immigrant. And I said, this is your chance to show that that administration and that party is truly racist. I say, if they can give $450,000 per illegal immigrant, then they can do something to help economically to help empower the black Americans in America economically. So they need to figure that out. And I said, whichever Republican is going to be bold enough to do this and to get up and stand up in Congress and say, hey, wait a minute, black Americans have been here all of these years. We got 3.5 million black people still living in poverty. We got 62% of our prisons filled with black Americans. We have so many black homeless people, right? Black failing schools. If you're going to take America's money, to fund someone that crossed the border illegally to come here and have a better life. I've got news for you. There are people right here on our land that commit crimes of survival every single day, just wanting to survive. If we can help them, why can't we help our own? So I'm hoping that these people get with it. And I mean, the black community is upset. We watched Joe Biden and his administration get in office basically off of Black Lives Matter. This whole George yep. Floyd thing, all of our communities absolutely burned down. All of these empty promises, they get in office and the only thing that we get is an equality act, mandatory vaccinations and government funded abortions. Yep. The black community deserves more than that. We've watched the Asian community get an anti-hate bill. We watched them get $50 million or was it 50 billion? I'm not sure. The black community does deserve something. And the first person, right, the first Republican that's bold enough to say, hey, if, if we can do this for illegal immigrants, we can do this for black Americans still suffering in this country, is going to win back the black vote, going to open up the eyes of black America to realize which party is the one that's actually been fighting against them. I hope someone listens. 
Angela, thank you so much for your time today. You're you're uh, just an incredible person, uh, a true inspiration, a true hero for our nation. And um, I'm, I know without a, a shadow of a doubt that you were born for such a time as this. So thank you so much for joining me on Face the Facts and uh, really appreciate your time. I look forward to joining you on your show. Thanks so much, April. I'll be back anytime. <laughs> Sounds great. See ya.